the land My brother's a king The son of I am Sometimes I forget To whom I belong Then the sweet spirit cries this morning. Everybody stand to your feet. We're glad to see you this Sunday morning. Let's all make a joyful noise. Brother Ken, come lead us now. Amen. In your blue song book today, page 194, hymn 194, since Jesus came into my heart, we'll do the first, second, and last verse today, page 194. Jesus came into my heart. 
of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll since jesus came into my heart i have ceased from my wandering and going astray since jesus came into my heart and my sins which were many are all washed away since jesus came into my heart I'm happy, so happy as onward I go, since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy on my soul like the sea. If you're glad he's there, say amen this morning. Thank you for coming out on this Sunday morning. We appreciate you being here. I always said all my years of pastoring, I've always said that the Sunday after homecoming is Christian Hangover Sunday. Amen. So thank you for coming out this morning. We appreciate you being here so much. We're going to open up in prayer. Brother Peck, would you come lead us to the throne room this morning, if you would? While Brother Peck comes, I want to give you just a couple of requests. Pray for Brother Thacker, if you would, Connie's husband. Of course, we've mentioned that to you a couple of weeks now. Uh, you got pray that the Lord would just intervene there. I believe the Lord's going to take him home. So uh, uh, you pray for an ease of transition and pray for Connie as well. Pray for services today. We need his touch. Amen. We need his presence. Uh, so Brother Bobby, you come lead us to the throne of grace if you would let's pray together as brother peck leads us this morning i got something on my heart that i gotta share with you now pray you you give me a minute the lord help me as a sunday school sunday school class this morning uh, i told the lord to help me i said lord if you uh Give me a chance. I'll get up and say what you have me say. So with the Lord's help, I'm going to say what he had me say. So he get the glory. So he'd be a blessing to you. Because I know somebody here is lost today. And I've got to tell you what God's helping to tell you. But the preacher was talking about this morning. My legs quit shaking. Uh, the preacher was talking about this morning. and said that uh, sometimes you want to tell somebody about what uh, uh, God's doing and what Lord God's word is. And, uh, and they'll... Tell you, just leave them alone and uh, shut up and let me do my own thing. Yeah. But a few years back at work, me and two other guys were sitting in the truck. We was going somewhere to pick up some equipment. And I was a witness to them, and I was telling them about God's Word. One boy said, uh, you know, there was two, there was three was there, and one of them got feeling guilty. And I know the Lord was speaking to him at the time. I didn't, but the Lord just gave me some words to speak to him. And I was telling him about God's Word, and I said, uh, what God's word said, and he said, Bobby said, uh, said uh, you, you're judging me. He said, I don't preach that you're judging me. I said, I'm not judging nobody. I said, 
I said, but, uh, brother, I said, if you uh, feel like I'm judging you, I said, I apologize. I'm sorry. I said, but I'm just telling you what God's word is. And, and I left it at that. And uh, six months later, he died with stomach cancer. And far as I know, right to this day, he never got saved. And I know there's somebody here today. There's something going on in your life. Because God has put it on my heart. It's a mighty way that I can't understand it. I have to tell you. Something going on in somebody's life here today. And you hear God's word, you turn it away. You don't accept it. You come to get saved. You go out those doors, lost and undone. Without, without Jesus in your life, you'll die and burn in hell. I've got to tell you that this morning, I'm burdened in a mighty way. And I, I thank God for helping me to tell you. I've got it off my mind and it's on your shoulders. I've done what the Lord told me to do. And if you turn them away, I, I, my heart burdens for you. Because if you set Jesus, you won't ever regret it. You can always go back. You can always go back and do what the devil tells you to do. He'll take you back any time, anyway. Because you know what? He'd love to have you down there burning for eternity with him. Because if you accept Jesus, you have a home in heaven. You'll never suffer no more, no more hurt and sorrow. You'll be with your loved ones up there for eternity. Don't turn that away. Amen. I beg you, don't turn it away. Amen, son. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer for the Lord to help me. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the best blessing of being in your house today. Lord, it's so good to know that you're always there. Lord, you died in Calvary, suffered and bled for our sins. Lord, that we have a way to heaven. Help us, Lord, to always remember what you've done for us. Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, we love you. We pray, Lord, for our pastor today, Lord. Give him the words you have him speak. Lord, help us to have an old-fashioned service here today, Lord. Lord, if there's someone here that we've mad at or had the odd against one another, help us, Lord, to lift up our arms. Just go wrap our arms around one another, Lord, and, and tell them we love them. And help us, Lord, to come and pray for somebody here that needs to be prayer today. Lift our arms up and pray, pray for one another this altar today. Lord, share the love of Jesus. Lord. Help us, Lord, to be that old-fashioned service. So when we leave the house of God today, we say, boy, it's been good to be in church today. You ought to be in there to see what we've seen. You ought to have heard what we heard. You missed it. You should have been there. God was there with us today. Lord, help us in this service to do your will. You get the praise and you get the glory. Lord, we love you. But it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. That's good, y'all.
to sing and she looked over at me and said I don't think I can do it this morning so I did what any father would do I looked at my daughter and said you're gonna sing I don't time to take no for an answer I love the words to this song because I like the meaning behind it simple reality is for the child of God there are places that he takes us where he reminds us that he loves us that he's never forsaken us and will never turn his back on us you listen now as the choir sings filled of grace
Amen. Oh, thank you so much. Let me give you some quick announcements this morning. Just before our, our youngsters go out, uh, several things to call to your attention. Don't forget this coming Tuesday, our Senior Saints outing, leaving from here at the church at 1115. Please keep that in mind if you would. This coming Saturday, choir will be singing at Northside Baptist Church. Uh, uh, please keep that in mind. Choir will meet up there at the church. And of course, next Sunday morning is a Resurrection Sunday here at the church. Uh, boy, you don't want to miss that. A great celebration next Sunday morning. I'll remind you that our bags are available. I've grown up all of my life calling these Judas bags, but I've been, I, I'm going to call them Jesus bags instead. I like that better. Uh, these are bags that we set out for you, and we encourage you to bring in 30 pieces of silver next Sunday morning as a special offering uh, for the Lord above tithes and offerings. We do that as a way of celebrating the fact that we serve a risen Savior, and I encourage you to do that. I've got some here at the front, some at the back as well. If you're going to participate in the upcoming golf tournament in any capacity, if you're going to help out or, or uh, whatever you're planning to do, please see Brother Ken about that as soon as possible. And then I've got some other dates listed in there uh, for our upcoming Mother's Day, Awana graduation, our graduation Sunday here at the church. All of those dates are listed in your bulletin. Please add those to your respective calendars. Then we have a, a, something I want to bring to your attention. This is not in your bulletin, but I need your uh, help with this, especially our ladies, if you would. I've mentioned this a couple of times. We've got all the details worked out now. Every other Wednesday night, every other Wednesday night, uh, one of our Awana groups is going to visit a couple of our shut-ins. They're taking uh, uh, different ones each time. So uh, in addition to them going to visit, we'd like to take our shut-ins, a small dish. Uh, so any of the ladies, if you can help with that, uh, it's going to be once every several months for the ladies because we're going every other Wednesday. If you would just meet Renee right after service, it's about five minutes right over here on this side, over here on this side. Uh, she's going to get your name, talk to you about what's going on with me, but a couple of minutes right after service, ladies, if you can help us with that, we would sure appreciate it. All right. Now, before our little ones go out, we're going to also give away Sunday School Awards this morning. Uh, we do this every quarter as a way of celebrating uh, what our youngsters do. We uh, love to be able to uh, reward them for their faithfulness. So uh, we will go through our Sunday School Awards just before our little ones head out. We start with our Minds in Motions class, uh, and we've got three uh, uh, winners here. So I'll ask for, if they're here this morning, for Carter, Ryder, or Miranda to come on up this morning. Any one of those three? Come on, Miranda. Come here, baby girl. You get, and Carter, good job, buddy. Come here, big guy. $10 for Carter. Come stand right here, buddy. You get to pay for lunch today. Come stand right here. Come stand on them. And Miranda, come stand right here, baby girl. And look up there at Brother Danny. Look up there at Brother Danny. Take a big picture. Smile. That's good, guys. That's good. Give him a round of applause. Y'all can go back to your seat now, guys. All right, next class, our God's Peculiar People class. I love that name, by the way. Third place, $10, 17 points. Jace, come on, big guy. Come stand up here, buddy. Second place uh, with, uh, fifth, uh, with, 15, no, with 18 points, $15. Tyler, is Tyler here this morning? Yeah, come on, Tyler. Good job, big guy. Woohoo! Looking sharp, man. I'm going to let you preach this morning. Come stand right there beside of Jace. And first place, $25, 20 points, Olivia. Y'all got a girl, Smokey Boys. Come, st come stand right up here beside of him. There you go. Actually, come take a step up. You're first place. There you go. Smile big. Good job, guys. 
and our prayer warriors class. And there's a tie for first place. So in third place, $15, Amber Orr. Come on, Amber. And there's a tie for first place. Both of them have the same amount of points. Both get $25. Peyton Horsley, Cameron Gilbert. Come on, girls. Good job, baby girl. And y'all stand right there in the middle. Turn Brother Danny. There you go. All right, and for our... Yep, give him a round of applause. And for our teenagers, we put money into their account for their upcoming conference and other trips and outings that we do with them. Uh, so when I call your name, please stand. These two folks get, uh, had 40 points, $15. Amber Mize, Rebecca War, please stand, girls. Amber and Rebecca, all right. And second place, uh, 30 bucks. Landon Craig, Brooke Rourke, Matt Terry, stand up, stand up, stand up. Good job. Stand up, Matt. Just kidding, buddy. All right. First place, uh, uh, all had a tie for 90 points, so all will get $50. Evan Joyce, D. Souter, Amber Martin, Allison Kitzmiller. Stand up, stand up, stand up, teens. Good job, good job. All right, all the little ones, come make your way. If you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, come on, make your way this morning. They're going to collect any loose change you got. We call this our penny march. Uh, take off, young folks.
everybody heading Children's Church, Junior Church, come on this morning. Amen. Thank you so much. Real quickly, ushers, make your way down, if you would, while they're coming. Brother Upchurch has graciously agreed this Saturday uh, for the choir singing. Anyone who wants to ride the van, uh, we'll leave from here at the church at 6.30. Uh, so, again, 6.30 for anyone who wants to ride on the van up to the choir singing at Northside Baptist. You give obediently unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. Uh, uh, I, when I saw these other folks coming up, Brother Wells was on the schedule. I said, are you singing? He said, yeah, we got a quartet. Brother Upchurch said, yeah, Brother Wells pays really good when you join up so amen father bless the offering today may it be what you'd have it to be bless the gift the giver we love you today thank you for loving us in christ's name amen this morning brother peck come up here and prayed he said he felt like there might be somebody here that's unsaved and you may be wondering how those of us that are saved can be happy and have the hope that we have you listen to this song, it'll tell you exactly why. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and he leads me by the hand, and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. Sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, then he'll take me by the hand and lead me through. What a day, glorious day, that will be, 
day, glorious day, that will be. together one more time hymn number 203 the windows of heaven we'll sing it one time through have a time of fellowship page number 203 Everything right. I gave him my old time. 
Amen. Two places in your Bibles this morning I want to invite you to turn. Two places in Scripture, Mark chapter 15, please. And then also get ready, Romans chapter 16. Mark 15, Romans 16. While you're turning, I want to remind you about services tonight. You really don't want to miss tonight, folks. The Sunday night before Easter is always very special, very sacred here at the church. So we invite you to be here, have your families here. You don't want to miss it. Very special service that we do the Sunday evening before Easter. Of course, uh, in Christendom, we refer to this as Holy Week or the Passion Week, that week that is dedicated to commemorating the greatest gift that was ever given, the crucifixion of our King on a cross. I will remind you, I know you know it, but I like saying it. We don't serve a, a, a lamb on a cross. We serve the Lion of Judah. Seated, resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father. And as we look tonight at some very special verses, have a special family time together, have your kids here. Uh, they need to see what uh, we celebrate, the Lord's Supper and other aspects of communion and Holy Week. Uh, our children need to be reminded what this week means. That it is, is all about a risen Savior. So have your family here tonight. Mark chapter 15, please. We'll begin reading in verse number 15. Notice what Scripture says. So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged them to be crucified. Mark 15, 16. Verse 16. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. They clothed him with purple, platted a crown of thorns, and put it upon his head, began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. They smote him upon the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, bowing their knees, Worshipped him. That's not a genuine worship, but rather is making fun or mocking our Savior. Verse 20. When they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, put his own clothes on him, and let him out to crucify him. Verse 21. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country... And as if Mark wanted to call special attention to this man, he refers to them as the father of Alexander and Rufus. And he's called out for one reason by the soldiers, to bear his cross. Let's read that again, verse 21. They compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. They bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. They gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. When they crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots Upon them, 
what every man should take. It was the third hour, and they crucified him. By the way, the third hour means 9 a.m. The day in Jewish calendar begins at 6 a.m. in the morning. So the third hour is 9 a.m. They crucified him. And the superscription of the accusation was written over the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. Lord, we pause a moment and we say thank you for Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for an old rugged cross where you came to take away the sins of those who would believe. Lord, I pray your blessings upon the hour of preaching now. Lord, I pray that if there is a lost soul here, that this would be the moment, the hour, that they would see fresh and clearly a lamb on a cross who came to take away the sins of the world. Lord, I pray that you'd impart power upon the preacher today. Lord, not because I'm doing it. Lord, because you ordained this methodology as the instrument for the salvation of souls. Lord, may I say what you once said, say nothing that you don't want said. Forgive me, Lord, for anything that would stand or hinder the preaching of your word. May it return what you've promised it will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we commemorate next Sunday that empty tomb. As we pause a moment next Sunday to celebrate the fact that we still serve a risen Savior. An empty tomb has no bearing without an old rugged cross. This week that we race towards Easter Sunday is beautiful time for us to stop a moment and realize that the Lamb of God was crucified on an old rugged cross. We'll talk in a moment about what crucifixion means. We'll talk about the picture that it represents. But I want to zone in this morning on that image of that one man, Simon the Cyrenian, who was compelled to bear the cross of Christ. We'll say a bit more about it in a moment, but I'm struck by the fact that Jesus had 12 disciples, nowhere of whom could be seen, and so a stranger, if you will, was plucked out of the crowd to bear the cross of Christ. And I ask you the question this morning, some 2,000 years later, Jesus is still looking for those who will deny themselves and pick up the cross. How many of us would be in the same position of Simon the Cyrenian? How many of us this morning would stand and affirmatively say, I am willing to bear the cross of Christ? I want to preach to you with the help of the Lord a message this morning I'm entitling, Must Jesus Bear His Cross Alone? Must Jesus Bear his cross alone. As we often talk about this time of year, it is probably, without question, the most sacred, holy of times for the Christian. There is no more special day, there's no more sacred occasion uh, than Calvary and the empty tomb. 
There is no more sacred underpinning of our theology. There's nothing more important to us as Christians uh, than remembering uh, that Jesus was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He died upon an old rugged cross uh, for the sins of mankind and three days later uh, was resurrected to newness in life, thereby defeating death, hell, and the grave. It's the very underpinning of our faith. So while we look this morning, I want you to think to yourself, uh, what does Calvary mean to me? Three things that I challenge you to examine with me this morning. Number one, please note with me the condemnation of our Savior. The condemnation of our Savior. The events that would lead up to the crucifixion of Christ moved very quickly. We think about the Last Supper where Jesus would impart to his disciples the wine, the bread, representing the blood and the body of Christ. Then he goes out into the Mount of Olives to pray, and of course, immediately thereafter, he's captured and taken, and suddenly the trial begins to happen. And by the time the sun comes up the next morning, Jesus has been condemned, and by 9 a.m., he would be nailed to the cross. From the time of what we refer to as the Last Supper until crucifixion was a period of about 12 hours, and it begins to unfold very quickly. I challenge you this morning to search scripture and you will find that his crime was one thing. He was guilty of loving humanity. We could spend about an hour right here this morning, folks, but as you read uh, the situation and the circumstances surrounding the death of Christ, please note with me that his trial was against the laws that dictated mankind. His trial could not have been more illegal. I'll read you some very quickly that lets you know just how wrong this trial was. Number one, according to Jewish law and Roman law, the trial could not be conducted at night. The law specified that trials had to be held during the day. The trial of Christ was happening during the overnight hours. According to Jewish law, the accused was always allowed to call in witnesses in his defense. Jesus was forbidden that privilege. Sanhedrin was to judge the case, never to prosecute it. But in the trial of Jesus, they assumed both roles. Notice also, if you would, if any witness was found to have given false testimony before the court, those false witnesses were to be given the same punishment being sought for the accused. But in this instance, the Sanhedrin actually paid people to testify against Christ. If the death penalty was being sought as it was in this case, the Sanhedrin was required to observe a three-day waiting period of fasting before judgment was rendered. Jesus was tried, convicted, and executed within a 12-hour time frame. Trials were only to be held within the temple. What we just read proves otherwise. It was against the law to convince a prisoner to testify against himself and against the law to bribe someone into false testimony. Situation, instance after instance, that proved that the trial of Jesus Christ was illegal. I'll say to you again, the only thing that he was guilty of is loving me and you. The only thing, the only crime that he committed, the only thing that could be nailed to him, if you would, from a crime perspective, is that he would be guilty of loving humanity. Notice not only do you see his crime, I want you to notice his condemnation. For the sake of time, we'll not read through all of these verses again, but verses 15 and 20, 15 through 20, give us the brutality of what he would experience. 
I'll hit a few highlights for just a moment. Scripture says they scourged him. I know most of you know this, but we're talking about being whipped with a cat of nine tails. Not with a whip as we think of today, but a whip with a nine-prong ending on the end of each of those prongs would be shrapnel or pieces of bone so that when the person was whipped, it would literally be raked across his skin. Forty times save one, thirty-nine times with a cat of nine tails. You multiply thirty-nine times nine, and you will see some nearly three hundred whips, if you will, that Jesus endured. Most people never survive the scourging. That's just the beginning. Scripture says that they spat upon him. I don't know about you, but I can't think of too many more humiliating things than to be spit upon. I've shared this little story with you, but it's always one that I like to remember. And I was teaching second grade. I taught third grade for nine years, second grade for two. This was my last year of teaching second grade. It's... uh, uh, The last day before Thanksgiving break, we're there for a half a day. This was back during the day when we still went to school half day on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We're in the cafeteria trying to get things done up quickly, trying to get the kids out the door and to the bus stop. And one of the youngsters in my class was purposefully delaying himself. And I said, come on, buddy, come on. He got angry at me, took his milk and flung it. Went everywhere. I went up to him as politely as I could and said, now we're going to be late, buddy. I'm going to stand here while you clean it up. And he reared back and spit at me right in the face. Thankfully, my principal was standing there because I would have probably been in prison otherwise. (laughs) He comes up to me and he says, Mr. Hodges, I'll take care of this. You go take care of the other kids. I've got this youngster. I walked back to the classroom, literally wiping the spit off my face, thinking uh, that was one child that spit on me. Can you imagine what our Savior endured? They scourged him. They spit upon him. Scripture says they beat him. They slapped him with their fists in their open hands. You know already, platted a crown and placed it upon his head, a mockery, if you will, a crown of thorns, clothed him in a purple robe and then of course took the robe mocked him and all of this happens uh, before he ever even gets to calvary enduring humanity's shame enduring the beatings why would he do such a thing never once saying a word Never in a single instant does he utter a single thought. And I'm reminded in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 where scripture says, He was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. As a lamb to the slaughter, if you will, a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Never said a word. Second after second after moment of humiliation passed by. His condemnation. His crime quickly gives way to his crucifixion. Why would he do this? Why is he not protesting? Why is he not standing up for himself? Why does he allow himself to be spit upon, to be beaten, to be smacked, to be mocked, to be made fun of? Paul answers it in Romans chapter 5 verse number 8. But God commendeth his love towards us. Now while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. This condemnation, this mockery, this humiliation quickly gives way to the 
greatest moment in human history, the crucifixion. Verses 22 through 25 uh, tell the story. Each of the four Gospels tell the story. uh, And at that moment, the battle of all few ages uh, begins to be raged. For hour after hour, uh, as Jesus is nailed to that old rugged cross, imagine this morning uh, the pain of having nails driven through your hands and feet. Imagine the torment, the agony of feeling the nerve against the iron. Imagine his body wrecked with spasms and his lacerated back against that old rugged cross. Imagine the difficulty breathing as he forces himself up just to catch a breath. Imagine the thirst. Imagine the shame and humiliation of his own nakedness as they take away the cloth and gamble on his own meager garments. Imagine the loneliness of his death. Imagine the blood that poured from his body and pause just a moment and celebrate the fact that every drop was for you. Imagine as the blood poured from his hands and poured from his feet and poured from his back. Rid your mind of the little trickle of blood here. This was a bloody, pulpy mess of a man who hung there and had the unbelievable notion to look to his father and said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Love that old song that says, When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I think in the... I think in the moment where God turned his back on his only begotten son, Jesus could endure everything but that. He'd never known a moment without his father. He'd never known separation from his father. He'd never knew what it was like to not have the hand of God, a father, upon him. And he looks towards heaven and says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I believe in that instant, my sins, your sins were placed upon Jesus. And in that instant, he literally became sin. God had to look away. Because God cannot look upon sin. It's crucifixion. It's condemnation. Condemnation of our king. Notice, not only do you see his condemnation. I want you to notice, secondly, Simon compelled. This is a part of the Easter story that so seldomly gets preached on. We talk about the empty tomb. We talk about the old rugged cross. We talk about the Last Supper. But rarely do we talk about this beautiful story of what happens here when Simon is compelled to help carry the cross of Christ. I invite you this morning to go back with me to verse number 21, please, of Mark chapter 15. Notice what scripture says. They, the they is the Roman soldiers, compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. As Jesus walks the Via Della Rosa, The way to Calvary, outside the city gates to Golgotha, the place of the skull. As a condemned sinner, uh, it would fall upon him to carry his own crossbar. 
fall upon him to carry the part of the T that goes this way. And so they would undoubtedly place that upon his already beaten, bloodied, and pulpy shoulders. And as he makes his way through the crowd, the pain and the agony that he's already endured becomes a little much. And he begins to stumble. He begins to fall under the weight of the cross. Realizing that there's still a distance to go. Uh, realizing that Jerusalem is packed to the gills because of Passover celebration. The soldiers pick out someone who seems to be a random person in the crowd and says, You carry his cross. That person is Simon the Cyrenian. We know very little about him. In fact, what we know is in this verse... He's from Cyrene, a province in Africa. Why would he be in Israel? Why would he be in Jerusalem? Scholars believe that perhaps Simon the Cyrenian was a Jewish convert. Scripture says he was passing through, but perhaps he's there because it's Passover celebration. And perhaps he's there to celebrate Passover by sacrificing a lamb as is required. Perhaps he's just a traveler. Perhaps he's there, what we would think of on accident, happenstance. I just believe there is no such thing as happenstance with God. And so of all of the thousands of people that were there, the soldiers look at this African. The soldiers look at this man who probably was very dark-skinned and say to him, you carry his cross. Being obedient because failure to do otherwise was foolish. Being obedient, Simon instantly renders himself Levitically unclean. If he was a Jew, if he was there to sacrifice a lamb as is required by Passover, the instant he touched the cross, he became unclean. The instant that he picked up the cross as was commanded by the Roman soldiers, uh, he forfeited the right to, to sacrifice a lamb. But may I pause a moment and say to you, unbeknownst to him, while he could not sacrifice a lamb, he had just come face to face with the lamb. While he was Levitically rendered unable to go to the temple and sacrifice for his family, he had just come face to face with the one that would forever transform his life. Can't help but think. Simon knelt picked up the crossbar of Jesus, that he looked at this man in his eyes, and he saw the face of God. Simon, this dark-skinned man from Africa, did what his own disciples would not do. Just a few hours previously, Peter had stood before the Lord and said, I'll never leave you. I'll never go away from you. I'll be right there with you. But the time that the Lord needed the disciples the most, they were nowhere to be found. There's no followers. There's no disciples. The women couldn't carry the cross. It would be up to this dark-skinned African to stand up and bear the cross of Christ. The steps of Jesus 
leading him to the cross of Calvary. And I would say to you this morning, 2,000 years later, just like Jesus looked at Simon as Simon picked up the cross, he says to the mass of humanity that has accepted his son, God says he is still looking for people to deny themselves, pick up the cross, and follow him. Put that image in your mind, church. As the soldiers are leading Jesus, Behind Jesus, there's Simon the Cyrenian, that that African man carrying the cross of Christ because it became too much for the Son of Man to bear. And notice with me this morning, not only do you see this, this, this Savior condemned and Simon compelled, I challenge you this morning to see with me a sinner converted. I will show you this morning why I and many other scholars believe that that moment forever transformed not just Simon and Simon's family, but all of human history. You know, I'm always amazed at the providence of God and how he works things out in such a way that we stand back and say, only God could have done that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go home this afternoon and read John chapter 4. As God passes through and makes his way and everybody else goes around Samaria, but Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because there's a woman there that's about to be saved. She's an ignominious woman. She's living in adultery. She's had a whole bunch of husbands, but God's going to save her, and she in turn is going to lead everybody that she comes into contact with to a saving knowledge of Christ. The majesty of God. Scoffers look at it and think, oh my goodness, uh, what a circumstance, uh, what a conflagration of events, uh, what a happenstance. Uh, and they use the phrase, what a coincidence. There is no such thing as a coincidence in God's heavenly time calendar. There are many of you in here who can say the same. You look back now and you think, I cannot believe what God was doing through that. You look at the pain, you look at the situation, you look at the circumstance, you look at the happenstance, and it feels overwhelming, and you get back to the other side, and you think, look what God did there. Go with me, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 16. I'll remind you that the one verse that we just read in Mark says, Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Turn to Mark chapter, excuse me, Romans chapter 16. Before we read, look this way. You need to know that Mark and Paul are contemporaries of one another. Although Mark is writing about events that happened some 20 years prior, Mark and Paul are companions of one another. They're writing at the same time. How do we know that? Because on Paul's first missionary journey, Mark leaves and goes back home. That's the reason he doesn't come on the second missionary journey. And in fact, at the end of Paul's life, we read in 2 Timothy, Paul knows his execution is at hand, and he asks for them to find John Mark to come visit him. Mark and Paul are contemporaries of one another. They're writing at the same time. They travel the same circles 
They're writing to and about the same people. Unlike Matthew, uh, who wrote some 20 years prior, Mark is writing when Paul is preaching. What did we read about Simon? He's a Cyrenian. He's the father of Alexander and Rufus. At the end of Romans... Paul is thanking, as was his custom, as he did over and over in his letters. You get to the end of the letters, and Paul thanks certain people within that church for the work they're doing. Jump, please, to verse number 12. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Now I will begin by telling you there are some gaps we have to understandably fill in because Rufus is a rather common name. In scripture, or in scripture times, I should say. The word Rufus is used twice in your Bible, here and in Mark. So may I tell you what I think happened, and most scholars will back me up on this, because the words that Paul says here are astounding. Paul mentions in verse 13, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother. She's nameless, but he also says, and mine. As as Paul traveled from place to place, you know that there would be places he would go that would just take him in. There would be places that he would go that would allow him a place to stay, would provide him with food and nourishment in order for him to preach. And it almost reads as if this woman, the mother of Rufus, was kind of like his adoptive mother. Because he says, salute mother, his mother, and mine, implying she's my mother as well. It would be like, Some of our teens will call other women here mom. When Robin comes to church, Miss Robin, my children call her mom. She doesn't pay any of their bills, but they still call her mom. Because there's a loving relationship between them. There's a friendship, a companionship between them that is unbreakable. And in describing this relationship, he calls the mother of Rufus his mother. Well, who was the father of Rufus? We just read about him in Mark. Simon, the Cyrenian, father of Alexander and Rufus. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying maybe, just maybe, in that instant, when Jesus fell to the ground, unable to carry the cross, that the soldier, what he thought was by accident, was in fact by the divine providence of the hand of God. 
pulled an African man out of the congregation and said, you carry the cross. Uh, that, that dark-skinned African man looked at the king of kings, uh, realized that this was not a lamb but the lamb, uh, goes back to Cyrene. Uh, his whole family gets saved. Uh, they move to Rome to become part of the church. Uh, and as a preacher passes through by the name of Paul, uh, they meet up uh, with Simon the Cyrenian and Mrs. Simon and the two boys, Alexander and Rufus. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. All because one seemingly random act where Simon says, I'll carry his cross. I'll do my part. I'll bear his load. And in that instant... Your life was touched. My life was touched because of one man's obedience. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Must Jesus bear his cross alone? You and I never saw Jesus die on that cross. We weren't pressed into service to carry his cross that day. We may not have seen him dying. But when you believed on him in faith, you signed up for his army. So I ask you this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking. If you're here today and you want to step up and say, I'll carry his cross. I'll do my part. I'll bear the weight so that somebody else can be saved. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you just to come on down to this altar. Don't worry about who's around you. Come on, step out right now. Folks are moving on both sides. Come on. Come on. I'm going to ask you a second question with nobody looking. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking. Do me that honor, please. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure of your salvation, you're not 100% sure that heaven would be your home, would you just, in the stillness of this moment, Lift your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me. Nobody's looking. Not sure I'm saved. Anyone like that this morning? Pastor, pray for me. I saw that hand. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Father in heaven, I pray your blessings upon the invitation. Lord, I pray that you would just impart only what the Holy Spirit can do. We'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Christ's name. Brother Ken, sing us one verse this morning. Would you step out and come today? I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness. weakness watch and pray. Find in me thine all in Jesus paid it all. Jesus made it all. 
Can we sing this chorus together? Look this way. Jesus paid it all. Sing it now. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left. Six o'clock tonight, you don't want to miss it. Brother Ken, pray for us. Dismiss us in prayer if you would. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow before you this morning, Father, I believe we all stand in awe this morning of so great a salvation you've given us. Father, all you buried on Calvary's cross, Lord, to save us from our own sins. Father, you paid a debt, Lord, that you did not owe. God, and you paid that debt for us. But I love you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for saving me when I was a 13-year-old boy. God, I'll never forget that day. But I pray, Father, if there's anybody here today who does not know Christ, God, I pray the Holy Spirit will continue to convict them. Father, they'll be restless. God, they'll have to seek it out, Lord, to find someone to show them how to know Christ as Savior. God, we love you today. Father, looking forward to the Precious service we'll have tonight. God, the meaning of it all. Lord, bless us as we go our separate ways. Father, bring us back tonight. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.